Love Talk Radio. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Funky Drummer. Check out the original. Funky Drummer. This is the original. Funky Drummer. Check me out, y'all. Funky Drummer. I am the original. Funky Drummer. Check out the original. Funky Drummer. This is the original. Funky Drummer. Check me out, y'all. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of that show that I hope you like. That I do on Sunday morning. I am JTA, KA the Master. And as always, I'm always happy to join you this wonderful July 4th weekend Sunday. It's July 2nd. Believe it or not, it's July 2nd. At the end of this month, people, end of this month. Training camp will open up for the NFL, and that spells being right around the corner of the NFL season. Are you ready for some football? Because it's coming sooner than later. Those who are football fans are gearing up, ready to see their favorite team. Either have a good season or a bad season. Get into the playoffs or be on the sidelines looking at teams that are in the playoffs. Who is going to emerge or what set of teams are going to surprise and get into the playoffs? And what set of teams are going to disappoint and not get into the playoffs? You know that there's at least five to six teams each year. That replaces the five or six teams that got into the playoffs the previous year. There's always a, 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 a change-up. Surprise team, teams that no one ever thought would get there. And other teams that, for whatever reason, uh, the quarterback injuries mount up and they can't overcome the injuries. And it's one of those disappointing seasons. Hopefully it's not... A, from a coach that's on a hot seat, and his job depends on what what his team does this season. A la the Cincinnati Bengals, for one, and there's other teams out there that have to do something. Otherwise, that coach, you know, there's going to be a turnover of coaches because of disappointments, and, uh, because of expect, expectations have not been met. But I don't want to talk about the NFL just quite yet. I want to talk about... Now, I didn't watch this. But it seems like a lot of people are up in arms about what took place last night between... And, you know, let me put it this way, people. Happens once. Okay, you got ripped off. Happens... Uh, uh, more than once maybe it's not getting ripped off maybe the guy just isn't that good or just you know he doesn't have it anymore 
and people are looking at the old versus the present. I'm talking about Manny Pacquiao facing Jeff Horn and through 12 rounds the the talk is this that Manny Pacquiao got ripped off talking about he got ripped off saying that Jeff Horn won a title that was bogus that let me let me read this from Dan Raphael, an ESPN writer. Now, Manny Pacquiao took this fight, and most people thought he was a heavy favorite to retain his welterweight world title against uh, an unknown Jeff Horn, okay? In what most viewed as an easy fight, and Pacquiao sure looked like he had done just that when the final bell rang to end the action packed brawl. Now, if it's action-packed, let me put it this way. And this guy is nondescript. Now, we had talked yesterday on the uh, FSP show. Uh, 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 in the same, same scenario, Floyd Mayweather going into a fight against uh, Conor McGregor. Floyd Mayweather, Victor took this, this position that Floyd Mayweather um, should be absolutely dominant in this fight and dispose of Conor McGregor expeditiously. I mean, quickly, like you shouldn't even be in the ring. And I'm going to show you uh, within the first few rounds that you shouldn't be a ring and put you away quick and get out of this fight. Cause quite naturally Floyd's the heavy favorite. Well, going into this fight last night, Manny Pacquiao was a heavy, heavy favorite on a guy that was who? Who? I never heard of Jeff Horn. Let me put it that way. Never heard of this guy. But apparently, Manny Pacquiao wanted to take a fight and thought probably it was a tune-up fight. It wound up going 12 rounds. It wound up going 12 rounds. Pacquiao had Rock Horn bloodied him and nearly stopped him in a violently one-sided ninth round, but then the judges' scorecard were read and Pacquiao was the victim of a huge controversial decision. Horn was awarded a, a stunning unanimous, not a split decision, a unanimous decision, a hometown decision, many would call it, in Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Judge, w- 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 uh, Judge Waleska Rodan had a 17-11 that doesn't seem like it's a close fight to me. Judges Chris Flores and Ramon Serdan both had it 15-13. That, that's closer. Two-point difference. All right? Four points altogether because if, if you have each one of them two points difference between 115 and 113, that's four points difference, really. ESPN scored the fight 17-11 for Pacquiao. ESPN ringside analyst Teddy Atlas had it 16-11 for Pacquiao. Pacquiao, quite naturally, only division eight division world champion has been here before, losing a split decision in welterweight world title to Timothy Bradley. Okay? 
in one of the most controversial boxing decisions in history. Like he was after that loss, which he avenged twice. Pacquiao was gracious after his bout with Horn. That's the decision of the judges. I respect that. Freddie Roach, Pacquiao's trainer, also took the high road. I have to go along with Manny, and I say I respect the decision of the judges. Well, two of the judges who had it, 15-13. I did think Manny won, but Jeff Hand showed a lot of talent. Sure, excuse me, Jeff Horn showed a lot of talent, a lot of heart. He's a big, strong fighter, and I congratulate him. Pacquiao does hold the contractual right to a rematch, and he said he would exercise it. He said, absolutely, yes. We have a rematch clause, so no problem. Now, let me put it this way, and I'll say it just like I said it to um, um, Victor yesterday. The, the, the point is to win the fight. Victor said if he's, if he's supposed to be the, such a dominant boxer, he's supposed to knock him out. Well, I have to agree with him in this one. This, is, this guy, the boxer, he goes against Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao's a heavy favorite. This guy, who heck knows what this guy is? And Manny Pacquiao decided to take this fight in this guy's hometown. And this guy goes the distance with him. And he ran the risk when he went the distance of just what happened. A unanimous, it wasn't even split. It was a unanimous decision that he won. So the proverbial, the fix was in, I don't know. I'm going to bring my esteemed co-host from the FSP Cruise Show on Thursday night, 8 p.m., into today to, to, to ask a question or give his opinion. Let me put it that way. Now, welcome Jeff the Joker. As always, my fellow Jersey guy. What's up, Jeff? How you feeling? And give me your opinion about Pacquiao losing the who? Jeff Horn. Yeah, I, I'm I'm shocked. Or or pretty soon, uh, it'll be uh, Rocky Horn. Uh, the the <laughs> gonna turn him into uh, uh yep. Rocky. Um, yep. You know, I, I was shocked. I mean, I used to be a pretty big boxing fan, but I lost interest in the sport many years ago. Part of the reason was bad decisions. Yeah. I mean, I could understand if it's a very close fight, it might happen. You might get a split decision. But the thing, and I, I'm not saying I'm the only one saying this, but I'm surprised I haven't heard this yet. The thing that's so shocking, I mean, bad decisions are common, but almost always bad decisions are in the favor of a champion usually, not the other way around. Or... or the well-known established fighter, which would be, yeah. you know, uh, a Manny Pacquiao. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what blows me away. And I remember when I was a kid, once in a while, you'd see a champion would go to the challenger's hometown because they know they could sell a lot of tickets. And, you know, you think to yourself, wow, you know, he's going into this arena with, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 people. And sometimes even outdoors would be a bigger crowd. You know, uh, all the fans are against them. And, but the fact is, you know, all that matters is the two guys in the ring and the ref and the judges. And I, and many, I think Hagler did it. Uh, you know, he'd go to a guy's hometown because Hagler was a guy who, earlier in his career, 
you know, he had trouble selling tickets, and he was such a great fighter. He he didn't care. You know, he'd go to a challenger's hometown. He'd always win the fight. And, and uh, I've seen it other times, too. And I, I never remember – I mean, my first thought as a kid would be, oh, no, you know, the uh, the 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 challenger in his hometown is going to get a hometown, uh, you know, call from the uh, – from the judges, I've never seen that before because I guess usually the judges are supposed to be professional or whatever. Now, I've seen a lot of bad stuff with judges, and, and, and like I said, one of the reasons I lost interest in boxing is I got tired, you know, of investing time in a fight and then having it end in a ripoff. You know, it just happened way mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, and it sometimes would affect fight strategy because I remember Meldrick Taylor was beating a poop out of. Uh, uh, Julio Cesar's Chavez Sr. Um, but I'll tell you, Chavez Sr., he showed, A, he could take a punch, and B, he's got thick skin, literally, because that guy did not cut. Um, yep. But Taylor's beating him round after round after round, you know. But, you know, Chavez was a great fighter, so he's, you know, he's taking it, you know, big time. And it was obvious Taylor was winning a fight. And then in the last round, in a lot of situations, the guy who's you know you think is up on all the cards is going to be running around the ring because he doesn't want to take the chance. But uh, I think the guys in Taylor's corner, because it was a Vegas fight, fighting a Don King fighter, which that's the case. The only way you're going to win is putting him on the canvas. And, right. and uh, it's not just another conspiracy theory. And, and because of that, I guess they were insecure and, you know, he was still going toe-to-toe with Chavez in the 12th round in Chavez. He really he put together a nice uh, combination and won the fight. I mean, that was one of the, the craziest endings ever of a fight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, but you get, you get tired of that as a fan. I mean, I guess, in, you know, if you're watching wrestling, it's part of the fun when they pull that stuff. But, you know, boxing's supposed to be on the level, you know. It's supposed and, to be. And one of the other... Yeah, well, one of the other reasons, and now, now that this is a big wake-up call for any champ, should be wary and should be very yep. conscious of who the judges are if they're yep. going to go somewhere to fight a guy, and and it's yep. a fairly common thing. But now, I believe me, if I was a champ, I'd be like, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not going to take that chance of, you know, getting screwed by hometown judges, and uh, that that's that's one of the big problems of boxing. And right now, that judge who had not just Horn winning, but winning by a lot, that guy should be, he should be scrutinized. Because uh, boxing is, I mean, if a, if a football ref messes up a call, he's going to have to address it or the league has to address it. You know, an umpire messes up, which happens a lot. You know, they get interviewed after the game. You know, I, I want to see, I want to uh, hear what this uh, judge has to say. Uh, but another reason I lost interest in boxing was, you know, b- boxing is a very unique sport. You know, if you're going to have, you know, a huge fight, we're talking a Leonard Hearns fight on a pay-per-view, you know, just mm-hmm. or some, you know, something more recent, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Something right. like that's on pay-per-view or closed circuit. I understand that. That's a big-time fight, right? But when you have Sugar Ray Leonard moving up in weight class for the fifth time to fight some Gavone like uh, Donnie Lalonde, and you put that on pay-per-view? Excuse me? <laughs> that, that, that's not even worthy of HBO. That 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 should be on the wide world of sports, you know? Um, yep. It, it, 
you know, when you know, you, you can't put lipstick on a pig. I mean, <laughs> you could say, and, and you know, I mean, nothing against Donnie Lalonde. I heard he's a very nice guy. He does a lot right. with uh, right. abused children and whatnot. And I, I was friends with a gal who uh, dated a boxer. She was a big boxing fan, and um, mm-hmm. she she knew a lot of fighters and people associated with boxing. And you know, she was going on and on about what what a nice guy Donnie Lalonde is. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. but that doesn't make him. A great fighter, you know, right. it just doesn't, right. and well, uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, and you know what's funny? She 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 was she met. It's so funny. Remember that really bad ref, Richard Steele. Sure. The one who likes to call a fight during the national anthem, you know. Yep. Uh, that guy would call a fight during the weigh-in if he could. And she yep. said, you know, she was once at a party with him. I'm like, wait, did he stop the party? After somebody poured the first beer, you know, I mean that guy—he he was like something from wrestling, because or wrestling, as I like to call it. In wrestling, occasionally you get the crooked ref. I mean, I don't necessarily think he was crooked. People say he was looking out for the fighters, but I think he was looking out too much for the fighters because, you know, I mean, he wouldn't even let the guys get warm, you know. And yeah. I mean, and and sometimes you get guys who are slow starters. I mean, it doesn't mean. You know, they're going to get all bloody or whatever. It just means, you know, they they don't come out smoking. They don't come out throwing a lot of punches. As long as, you know, they could defend themselves, they don't have blood in their eye, whatever. You know, let them fight, you know, but not that guy. You know, he, he loved calling fights, you know. Well, I mean, let me let me uh, let me give you some stats here, man. And, 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 and this is how things like this are so controversial. This is um, stats, punch stats from CompuBox, which is a well-known uh, organization that gives you the stats from each fight, round around, and then the complete um, um, stats of punches landed, thrown, and the percentage of punches um, that, uh, uh, or um, I guess landed. Um, Pacquiao versus Horn and landed punches, 182 to 92. That's almost double. Damn near double the amount of punches that Pacquiao landed versus Horn. The amount of punches thrown were uh, Horn threw 625, Pacquiao threw 573. So even though Pacquiao threw lesser punches, about uh, 49 lesser punches, um, Pacquiao was more efficient with his punches. Because the percentage of landed punches, Pacquiao landed 32%. Horn landed 15%. Less than half of what Pacquiao landed. And I don't know if if he was more efficient with the amount of punches he he threw. But to me, it sounded like Pacquiao threw that many more punches and was that much more efficient with his punches compared to what Horn threw. And one judge had it, just like you said, 117 to 111 versus the other two judges that had a two-point difference, 115 and 113. Um, it, it, it's a stunner. Let me put it that way. Just, let's just like it. everyone that watched the fight wherever they were in the world and uh, th- those that sat in the, in the uh, seats watching the fight in, in live and in, in color that he won that fight. 
Um, but and I have to give it to Victor yesterday, and and he this was like uh, he had he he was Nostradamus in a, what a, a champion who is going up a on paper overmatched opponent should do. Get rid of him as quick as possible and don't take him to the distance. Now, this could be a eye-opener for um, Floyd, but this, this, the fight in um, uh, um, September, I think it's September, yeah, whatever, whatever the fight is, I think it's September, um, it's going to be uh, in Las Vegas, Floyd's hometown. But I still think this still is a wake-up call because anything in boxing can happen. Obviously, we saw this happen here um, against the, uh, Pacquiao. Now, I said that there's no way. There's absolutely no way that Floyd's going to fight Pacquiao for, uh, again. And this just reinforces what I said. Uh, I know this may be a controversial decision. I know that wherever they fight again, it's not going to be in Australia. It's going to be somewhere else. And more than likely, more likely than not, uh, I know it's going to be another payday. And anybody who watches this fight, it's uh, just like they watched this fight, would be a fool because this was a joke. And the next fight's going to be a joke because obviously, uh, in most people's opinion, and, and including yours and mine, I think, Jeff, I can speak for you for this, that they're going to say that Pacquiao is going to win this fight, next fight. That, I mean, that, that's just the way that, that boxing um, plays the game. Let me put it that way. And, and a lot of people fall for it. Like I say, sucker born every minute. And there's a lot of uh, boxing fans that fall for the okie doke all the time. And that's why I pick and choose the type the fights I watch. Um, because, because, uh, because of things like this. And you never know, even if I, you pick and choose, you never know what you're going to get with boxing. But you, you have a better idea if you get two guys that are about the same skill set that are going to be fighting each other, like uh, Triple G and um, Canelo. Now, I, I'm definitely going to watch that fight because both those guys had very, really good ability, and both of them, uh, are capable of getting the best of, uh, of, of their their opponent, meaning Triple G can get the best of Canelo because he's a hard hitter, and vice versa with Canelo versus Triple G. So that's going to be a fight that I definitely want to watch um, because uh, um, it, it's two guys that are at the top of their game and uh, are, are going to give you a good show. Let me put it that way. Uh, but what, you, what, what happened last night, it's just typical. One of these nondescript fights, uh, a champion going against a heavy favorite in the, in the heavy favorite's hometown, and the heavy favorite comes out on, on top. A lot of people in Vegas probably didn't get paid, or unless the, those who thought of the conspiracy type of um, – uh, result loaded up on Jeff Horn. Now they're just sitting in a lot of money and happy as hell about what what, what took place in Australia. And 
uh, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, I've been trying to go through my mind about a horse race way back with a name horse that was either defeated or met their demise in Australia. And I'm and I can't think of who it was, but uh, uh, I know what happened. But I can't think of what uh, who it was and what what time frame it was in. But I know what happened. And for some reason, it, it's just the uh, the conspiracy type of uh, side of my brain that Australia had. This is not the first or last time that Australia. Or a venue, something happened in Australia that's under um, uh, shady results. Anyway, um, I wanted to go into uh, the NBA t- today about uh, uh, what's been taking place since free agency opened up uh, yesterday. You believe it? This is already in July, Jeff, and that football is going to be uh, gearing up. At the end of the month when training camp starts, right around the corner, before you know it, it's going to be here with um, preseason games, guys getting hurt. Um, then you have to make adjustments to what you're going to be drafting in, on fantasy and what you're going to be looking at because of uh, injuries, whether they're short-term or long-term injuries, that uh, uh, the football, um, the football uh, junkies are going to be gearing up uh, – Real soon here. But before we do that, uh, like I said, uh, free agency for the NBA opened up uh, um, yesterday. And uh, I'm going to start with the – and this is crazy, man. I'm, I'm looking at this, this, this number, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, 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 one of the best players in the world said he should have got twice what he got. And I'm talking about the Golden State Warriors – the best team in the NBA, the world champions, had Steph Curry that um, they wanted to be able to uh, reward him for what took place this past year and um, signed him. This is, I mean, this is, wow. This is crazy, man. I'm Five years, $201 million, yes, $201 million million dollars and LeBron said Steph is underpaid he said Steph should have got 400 million well you got five years 200 million dollars five years 201 I'm sorry 201 million dollars so he got 40 million 40.2 million dollars or give or take a year, forty million dollars to play the game of basketball. What's your thoughts before we move on to anyone else? You know what I say? Good for him. You know, I mean, he's getting that money because guys like you and me uh, go to the games and watch the games on TV and buy the products from the sponsors. And you know what? Uh, this is a guy who's uh, uh, led them to a couple of uh, championships, and he's won a couple MVPs. 
And you know what? Uh, pay, paying $200 million to a guy like that, who you know is a winner, mm-hmm. makes more sense than sometimes pissing away $100 million on a guy who you're hiring from the outside and you don't know his work ethic and he, he's not nearly the same kind of player, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, some of these teams, you know, you know, in, in, in football also, you'll see a team spending a fortune on a free agent who's not that good, you know, and, and he's coming from the outside, so they don't know what they're getting. And sometimes it could be very disappointing. Uh, so it, it, it's crazy, but it, but it actually makes sense. And, and, and if anyone deserves it, it's him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, is it too much money? Of course it is. But that, but that's the way it is. You know, that's the way it works. And I'd rather see it go to him than stay with the owners, you know. Uh, and and if, if anybody's entitled to that kind of money, it's him. And, uh, you know, good for him. And then we have his, uh, his teammate, Andre Iguodala, who was going to um... – Go to uh, well, he did go to one one meeting. He had uh, several meetings lined up, and um, he went to uh, uh, one meeting with the Houston Rockets, and he canceled all his other meetings, which which shows which throws up flags. And he hadn't even met. He had he w- he went to one meeting with Houston, had I think at least three or four, maybe four or five other teams that he was going to meet with and hadn't even scheduled a meeting with the Golden State Warriors, which sent a red flag up that maybe he wasn't coming back to the Warriors, that he was maybe going to Houston or Houston uh, was giving him serious offers because he was in, in town in Houston with a meeting. Well, as of 11.49 yesterday, almost 12 o'clock uh, uh, yesterday evening, sources close to Andre Iguodala report that he agreed to terms on a three-year, $48 million deal to return to the Gold State Warriors. Now, he, he was deciding between multi-year deals from Houston, San Antonio, and Sacramento and decided to stay with the Golden State Warriors. Now, in my opinion, I think this is a win-win on both sides. Quite naturally, Andre Iguodala is winning because he's getting paid. And the, and the Golden State Warriors are keeping one of their core guys. When I say – and most people say, well, he's not a core guy. He's, he's a guy. He's, he's not Durant. Um, he's not Stephon Curry, which we just talked about. He's not um, uh, Draymond Green. Um, he's not Clay Thompson. Those are the core guys. Uh-uh. First world championship, Andre Iguodala was the MVP. <coughs> Last year, he comes in. And, he, and, and uh, no, this year, he comes in. Uh, and even last year, was an integral part of them winning. I didn't say he was the part, but he was an integral part of them winning. Because he, devi- he, he provides defense. And offense on both sides of the uh, uh, of the court, um, and is a what they needed a team player, and 
They're trying to keep these guys together so they can put in a run of consecutive world championships or at least consecutive appearances in championships to give them an opportunity to win a championship. So this guy is a very good basketball player, obviously, because he got paid for for his uh, um, his uh, work and his uh, attitude with this team. And uh, this was, to me, was a no-brainer um, that they had to keep this guy. I wouldn't say no matter what, but they had to keep this guy because he was one of the glues that kept this team uh, playing the way they did. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, he looks like a bargain at only $48 million. But, uh, you know, everybody's busy giving the next three uh, NBA championships to Golden State. But, you know, just part of me knows, you know, you know you're dealing with, you know, men here, flesh and blood, yep. and stuff yep. could happen. Sometimes yep. very surprising things could happen. I mean, mm-hmm. there's always a risk of injuries, early retirements, which I can't remember the last time there was a real early retirement in basketball. But, you know, who who would have guessed – when Michael Jordan was was in his prime, he'd step away for two years to play baseball. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen in Golden State. But let's say, you know, a more more recent example, you know, Derrick Rose started his career on fire and fell off the map, you know, mostly because of injuries. It could happen, you know. Some guys, you know, players could lose their focus. Uh, you know, I think there is a chance uh, – uh, they might lose Clay Thompson, which could, you know, be a huge loss for them. I mean, they have other guys, but, you know, uh, who knows? So as, as dominant as Golden State looks, I, you know, I'm very reluctant to give them the next three championships. Um, uh, you, you know, it just it, – it, I think it's a little premature. I mean, I mean, very impressive team, of course, but you just you, – you, you, you 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 don't know what's going to happen. You 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 can't you can't think that far ahead. They also agreed to sign a <clears throat> David West, who's the he's kind of like the enforcer, the, the 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 bad guy on this team. That to a one year deal, uh, and um, the terms of that hasn't been disclosed. But I imagine that he's going to probably get the veteran minimum, um, just to, to be able to stay on this team and to possibly get another championship or get an opportunity to get another championship uh, going forward, going into the 2017-2018 season. All right. Then we have uh, the Pelicans, who quite naturally have two two great players in uh, Anthony Davis and the much maligned DeMarcus Cousins on the team, um, and who's in a a, uh, contract year. (coughs) Excuse me. They needed a point guard um, to run, you know, quite naturally to run it with the, these two big men. Uh, so they signed up Drew Holiday, who I, I really like Drew Holiday. And uh, he came in at a five years, $126 million. Drew Holiday. Um, he wanted to stay in New Orleans, but he wasn't taking a discount. And... Uh, uh, if they let had let him go, they would only have uh, about twelve million dollars to replace him. So it, this is another win-win for a team that uh, needed to keep this player 
Um, if they had lost him, they wouldn't been able to play the next player to replace him enough to come to uh, the Pelicans. So they had to deep dig in their pockets and find that extra dollar or two. Um, and it was five years, $126 million. And then I'm going to also talk about this guy before I give it back to you and your thoughts. This one is a, a mind-boggling to me because th- this team was in the youth movement, and they bring in this veteran <clears throat> just for one year. I'm talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, who are uh, have a great core of young players in Joe, Joel Abib, Ben Simmons, who's going to start, who's going to play this year, uh, at, because he didn't play last year because of injury. Markel Fultz, who they drafted this year, Dario Saric, and Robert Covington, and, and a, a bunch of other young players. This is a young team that's accumulating a lot of um, young talent to grow up with uh, to grow up together to become quite possibly hopefully a very good team in the east um, they decide to sign a veteran a very good shooter but I think they're overpaying in my opinion but it's only for one year 23 million dollars goes to JJ JJ Reddick that's Crazy, in my opinion, but that's the type of money that's being thrown around in the NBA nowadays. Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, talk to me, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, the sign about the Sixers rubs me wrong. I mean, maybe they, they, you know, they think Redick is going to be chemistry-wise a great guy um, to have there. I, I don't like the way it seems. Um, that the the Sixers have been tanking for a few years. I just because you know what I, I it's like I, I can't imagine a bunch of guys losing like crazy for three years and all of a sudden you snap your fingers and they become come winners. You know what I mean? I I just don't like the the idea of uh, tanking uh, for more than one year. I don't even like it for one year. Uh, and part of me wants to see it not work because I don't want to see that become common. Uh, and you know a lot of there have been young teams before, like you know Sixers have been very young, but usually they have some veterans, you know, to, and make some effort to win now. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not mutually exclusive. You could still build with young players while still looking like you're trying to win. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, yeah, what what's he, what he get? Something like uh, twenty three million dollars. <laughs> Good for him. Twenty three million dollars for one year. JJ Reddick, yeah. unbelievable. And, and I'm, gonna run, yeah. I'm gonna run down some others, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Mind boggling too. How about Jeff uh, Blake Griffin getting five years, hundred and seventy three million dollars. Five years, one hundred seventy three million dollars from a, 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 a player that. You know it's going to miss games because of injury. It, it's been proven every year since he's been in the league that he he misses a a a, a, a at least a dozen games a, a, a season, and he's getting 173 million dollars. Lost his point guard in Chris Paul because he went to Houston, uh, a um, Western Conference rival, and he's getting um, 173 million dollars. Well, how about John Wall? Signs a four-year contract extension for roughly $170 million. 
Or how about Jeff Teague? Jeff Teague, who the Knicks were trying to go after, signs with the he left the Indiana Indiana Pacers because the Knicks were in dire need of a point guard, um, even though they did had Derrick Rose. Um, they signed uh, uh, Jeff Teague, went to the Minnesota Timberwolves to team up to to, to um, team up with uh, Jimmy Butler and company for. Three years, fifty-seven million dollars, which is not bad. That's not that's not that bad. That's like what fifteen, sixteen million dollars somewhere in that range. Um, oh no, fifty-seven million dollars. What's that? Uh, that's about almost twenty million, nineteen million dollars um, a year to go to Tim, Tim, Timberwolves or um, Sean Livingston. Now, and and this is going back to Golden State. Three years, $24 million. He's getting $8 million a year. Or uh, how about this one? This is a uh, – I saw this before. Let me let me get – let me bring this guy out of here. Just bear with me for a minute. I'm going to scroll down here and get this guy up. Um, Patty yeah, – there, there, there it is. Patty Mills, uh, the uh, guard from the San Antonio Spurs. That he jumped on the scene uh, a few years ago. I think when they won their championship, he was on that team. Uh, he was an offensive spark coming off the bench, um, and he's, he's hung on with the, hung on with the team through, throughout the few years. He just agreed to a four-year, fifty million dollars deal. Now he was expected to fetch in the neighborhood of twelve million to fifteen million dollars on the, on an open market. But he signed a team-friendly deal that leaves San Antonio approximately $13.3 million in cap space. So he signed a four-year, $50 million deal, which is um, $12.5 million a year for Patty Mills. For Patty Mills. That's crazy. I, I, I don't understand why Patty Mills is a type of guy that's getting um, about... Twelve and a half million dollars a year for what he does. I mean, and 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 put it this way: Who would you rather have on your team, Patty Mills or Sean Livingston? Answer that for me, uh, Jeff. Who would you rather have on your team, Patty Mills or Sean Livingston of the Golden State Warriors? Mm, probably Sean in my. <laughs> In, 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 yeah, in my opinion, it would be uh, Sean Livingston, and he signed a deal. And let me get back to let me get back to him real quick because I'm uh, I want to just give you he Patty Mills had fifty million dollars for four years. Sean Livingston, they signed him. Now he's on he's been on a world championship team and been able to uh, contribute greatly to that. Three years, twenty four million dollars. So who got the best out of that deal? Golden State or San Antonio? Patty Mills quite naturally got the best out of gold, uh, out of San Antonio, and Golden State got the best of Sean Livingston. Now, uh, true, there's a lot of top-heavy guys that they're paying, but Sean Livingston is, is worth more than $8 million a year. He's worth more than $8 million a year. 
and he got a three-year $24 million. So I don't know what to say there. That, that's, that's, that, that is um, a really good deal for the uh, Golden State Warriors organization to get a player like that at that price. And, and, uh, and I can't believe that San Antonio couldn't get a player equal to the um, skill level of Patty Mills for a lot less than $12 million, $12.5 million. Makes no sense to me, but I'm not cutting the check, um, and I wouldn't be the one cutting the check for that. Uh, I, and the agent did a very good job, and the front office just wanted to, I don't know if they felt indebted to, to Patty Mills or for whatever reason. I think they they did it just because that, $13.3 million cap cap space that they would get if they signed Patty Mills. So they have a little bit more to, to sign someone else. But it is what it is. And um don't have to live with Patty Mills for... And, he, and, and the thing about this, Jeff, just like in baseball, these contracts are guaranteed. Yep, you said it. These, these, these contracts are guaranteed. So whether they... Uh, get hurt, uh, whether they walk out the house and uh, tear their ACL just stumbling down the steps and can't play it another uh, uh, um, uh, uh, minute, they get paid. They get paid. Plain and simple. They get the, the, These are guaranteed contracts. Guaranteed. Whether they play... Uh, uh, bad or not, it's not like football. Not like football. Football, you play bad, they'll cut you. Basketball, you play bad, they'll cut you, but you still got to pay them. <laughs> One way or the other, you still got to pay them. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 mothers and dads, if you have a kid that's in the sport, don't let them play football. Hopefully they can play baseball or play basketball. Put them on a rack, stretch them out. <laughs> I hate to say it like that, but <laughs> put them on a rack, stretch them out. They could be a, a basketball player. You give a guaranteed contract, be set for life. Uh, football, I think they're three and a half, three and a half or three point two five year uh, uh, life expectancy for a football player uh, to be to play football. I'm not exactly sure what it is in baseball or what it is in basketball, but it's only a little more than three years for a football player. The average uh, um, expectancy, not life expectancy, but expected to play, um, um, be able to to play in the, in, the, in the league is three point uh, a little over three years. So it's, it's longer for a baseball player and quite naturally a basketball player, but. Uh, <clears throat> Because of the nature of the sport, the collision sport, um, and the, the greater possibility of broken bones, torn ligaments, torn muscles, or whatever, that can change the outlook of how, how much or how long you're going to play. All right, Jeff, let's, let's move over to, for the short time we have left, to uh, football. 
talked about basketball and a little boxing. Um, let's move over to football. And the reason why I wanted to move over to football is I saw this um, and another one bit the dust uh, yesterday. And I don't know if it's the culture. I mean, you're supposed to have a stand-up guy at in the front office, a Hall of Famer in the in the front office. And but there's got to be something to it because right now, um, Darren Waller, I don't know if you know who that is, a Ravens tight end, was suspended for the full, full 2017 season last week. It marked his second suspension. And the 13th total suspension coming from 10 different players that the Ravens have received since 2010 for either performance-enhancing drugs and drug abuse. That's most of any team. Now, you know that Kenneth Dixon also got suspended this offseason for only four games. David Reed, David Reed was suspended in 2011. He was a wide receiver. Defensive end Ryan McBean in 2012. Cornerback Asa Jackson in both 2012 and 2013. Safety Christian Thompson in 2013. Defensive tackle Aloli Nada in 2014. Matt Elam, a safety in 2015. Tight end Nick Boyle in both 2015 and 2016 and safety Will Hill also in 2016. Now, including Waller and Dixon, the Ravens' suspensions have totaled 76 games over seven seasons. They got the most suspensions for failed drug tests of any team in the NFL since 2010. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Waller getting suspended is a joke, and it just shows how out of touch uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is because I, I'm very much well, I'm against all kinds of drugs, legal and illegal. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, thing is, uh, Darren Waller got suspended for marijuana, which is now legal in some states, and it's probably going to become legal in more states. Uh, uh, but for some reason, the NFL still has a strict policy about it, and, and part of the hypocrisy is. You know, uh, this guy could take, uh, you know, Vicodin, OxyContin, really powerful and dangerous uh, and and habit-forming painkillers. That's okay. But a little marijuana, not that I advocate it, but I I think it's a lot safer than uh, Vicodin and OxyContin. That you kick a guy out of the league for because uh, for whatever reason, uh, Roger Goodell likes to pander to a lot of people who I think are casual fans and simpletons who will walk around saying, oh, it's a thug league. These guys are always in trouble with uh, the marijuana and this and that, you know. And you mm-hmm. know what? You can't pander to simpletons, uh, and you don't want to. Because most NFL fans are intelligent people in a league with over 1,600 young men. You know, uh, there might be a little misdemeanor here and there, uh some of them smoke marijuana, big deal. I mean, uh, you know, but, you know, you know, Roger Goodell wants to look tough, so, you know, he wants to uh, 
kick guys out of the league for not watching their jocks. And uh, uh, this is his Waterloo because he really embraced that role of discipline. And I, I, I don't think the league needs it. I don't think intelligent fans need it. I don't get it. I don't like it. Um, because, I mean, you know, he's getting kicked, kicked out of the league for one year for, for marijuana. That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I mean, if it was steroids or something, hey, kick him out, because I'm very much against that. Um, but this is not the case. This is not uh, in any way performance enhancing. I mean, I think he's foolish because, you know, it, it, even if it's as ridiculous as it is, it's the current policy uh, you know, where's the NFLPA on this? But I guess this was the last time the contract was renegotiated that this was something that, uh, you know, Goodell was not going to give up. I guess that's why. Um, but but it's, it's ludicrous. Uh, but he's foolish because as wrong as it is, you knew the rules. Uh, and, you know, he's got the rest of his life after football to smoke as much as he wants. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so he he he's foolish, but I mean, it still doesn't make it right. I mean, it's silly. I mean, it's uh, not that I advocate this. It's like kicking a guy out of the league for sh- for shoplifting. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, give give me a break. Uh, you know, but uh, Goodell likes to, you know, look like the tough guy disciplinarian, but but he's a he's a he's a he's a joke. Well, let me ask you, Jeff. Um... I don't know if I've ever asked you this question before, and um, well, I, you just piqued my curiosity, so I, I got to ask you: What is it? And, and I know this is just your opinion. What is it that you you dislike or like about Roger Goodell? Well, I like nothing about him. There's th- okay. basically it's, and this is, this is something I don't understand because you assume he's an intelligent, well-educated man because he's an mm-hmm. attorney. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I don't know how this guy graduated from law school and passed the bar because I, I never met an attorney who never understood the concept of due process, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of my issues. Like if, you know, when he decided to become the disciplinarian and then if you appeal it, he wanted the appeal to go to him. That's not how an appeal works, <laughs> yeah, right? No. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you right. have to be you, you're things right. like that. You know, yep. um, and, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to understand the com- the concept of conflict, the interest, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I-, I think he's a very insecure man. That's why I think uh, his predecessor, uh, Paul Tagliabue, I think was a very underrated commissioner. And you know what? He He never came across as the new sheriff because he probably realized – you know, uh, it would. You know, they would appeal it or whatever. But you know what? I don't think Tagliabue ever looked foolish. You know, what I mean? mm-hmm. and uh, Goodell's looked foolish many times. And I think the NFL might have employed Tagliabue as a consultant. And supposedly, Goodell hates the guy probably because he's jealous of him. You know, because mm-hmm. Tagliabue is such an incredibly intelligent and well-educated man, and. You know, he he was uh, uh, Pete Rozelle's right-hand man. And they said whenever something bad happened, usually the first thing Rozelle would say, oh, what does Paul think, you know? Um, but but that like sounds, you, you, That sounds oh, like the current, 
current political climate. But go ahead, Jeff. I'm just I just want to interject that. Go yeah, ahead. I, I mean, but it's it's just the whole, you know, uh, Goodell just uh, just trying to win over. I don't know what he's trying to do. Just win over these casual fans by being mm-hmm. some kind of dictator and just not seeming to get. Uh, you know, the due process and other things and, and, and guys' rights, et cetera, et cetera. And then people say, oh, he made a lot of money for the owners. And that that's – no, because believe me, it took decades of growth to get to that point. It's not like they were losing money and all of a sudden Goodell came in and turned it around. So right, you can't right. give him the credit for all the money they're making. So mm-hmm. believe me, a, a, lot, a lot of years of development went into that. And, uh, you know, Goodell's a buffoon. I mean, he really is. I, and, and I can't stand him. There's just very little to like about him. Well, I'm going I'm to play, play a little devil's advocate here, Jeff, just for this, just, just, just a little, little short time. The Players Association, from what I understand, agreed to the discipline process that Goodell would be the, for lack of a better term, judge, jury, and executioner, um, being that if, if there was a um, penalty or, or something to uh, met out, that uh, Goodell would be the one to do it. And if there was an appeal process, I think the Players Association agreed that Goodell would hear the appeal process and quite naturally, just like you said, stated quite eloquently. It doesn't make any sense that He's the one that made it, met it out the, uh, the, uh, the, the penalty, and it he'll, he, it's here in the appeals process. And nine times out of ten, whatever he decided in, in the original is what is going to be held up. I mean, it only, only makes sense. Why would he uh, um, uh, turn around his uh, – reverse his decision for whatever reason? Um when he first pushed 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 his, his decision out there in the first place. So, uh, what do you think about that? I mean, the, the players' association had to agree to that through, through collective bargaining. I think they're, they I think it's been revised, if I'm not mistaken, or it's going to be revised within the next uh, um, uh, collective bargaining um, win, window, um, just so it, it can change to have it more amicable and more. Um, um, fair toward the player um, in, in in the appeals process. What's your thoughts on that? Okay, now I thought about that because I, I I couldn't believe that the players' association would uh, l- let him keep that authority. But you know, uh, I really think it it probably would have cost them to give too much to get that authority away from Goodell. And I don't know, I don't like to speculate too much, but maybe uh, DeMaury Smith and the rest of the leadership figured, well, we'll let them keep it, we'll fight it in court, and we'll win. That's very possible. And this way they don't have to give any concessions back. Right, um, right. And that, 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 might, be, that might be it. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the thing is, and Goodell's made some very bad decisions. Uh, and, and believe me, it's always easy to criticize after the fact. Let's say with Ray Rock with Ray Rice. And yeah, to me, that's, that's the one I can hit up real quick. And then, of course, he doesn't understand the double jeopardy thing. And, mm-hmm. and But part of it is, like, I don't, li- with, with, I don't like 
NFL is basically an employer. You know, Goodell represents the team owners or the employers. I don't like an employer having that type of authority. If, God forbid, mm-hmm. I got into a minor legal problem, what gives my employer the right to discipline me? I mean, in certain situations, you know, like if a teacher or a cop is accused of certain things, they might put you on a suspension, but they can't fire you, you know, because mm-hmm. you got to respect the court system. The court system is not perfect, but I'll roll my dice with that. I'll go with that. I, I, you know, the... They don't have – I'm not going to go with my employer, you know, suspending me, you know, with no pay, uh, you know, expelling me or whatever based on accusations. I'm very uncomfortable for that. with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have that right. And at least with a court system, you know, the, there's a high standard of, uh, for the evidence, not the case with somebody like him totally divorcing himself from the legal process. I, I – just very, very uncomfortable with that um, because, you know, believe me, you know how it is. Some of these employers, they think they own you. They don't. Yep. You know? Yep. They, You're right. And, you know, I mean, you know, these guys are still making money, but they're still men. They're still flesh and blood. They still got some rights, you know? Right. And due process isn't just for the bad guys. It's for you and me, too. You know, sure it's for is. everybody. Yep. Um, you know, but, you know, hey, you know, these players, you know, this is – they, they, a lot of these guys don't get involved with the union, and this is what their representatives went along with. But let's say the thing is, like with Goodell, with the one of his fiascos was Ray Rice. The thing is, he had time to consult and he had time to sleep on it. It wasn't like a situation where you got to think on your feet, which is right. not always easy. Mm-hmm. So maybe he didn't consult. You know, I assume he slept on it, and he still botched it. And you know what? He's getting paid like something ten million a year, maybe. You're getting no, paid more than that. Things. Right? Yeah, right. More I think oh, he might have taken a little pay cut. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting paid to get it right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to have the wisdom of Solomon, you know, or, or at least try. And supposed he to. gets it wrong frequently. That doesn't make sense to me. You know? I mean, nobody's perfect, but he's really botched some stuff. Uh, and, and you know what the thing is, you know, he, he's obviously a powerful man. Pa- he, unless you're an absolute a dictator and a fool, a powerful man has consultants. You know, they have people they speak with. Then, you know, um, and, and maybe he, he doesn't like to do that, you know, because I, I, I don't understand this man. I just don't. All right. We come to the end of the, end of the line here for today, Jeff. Um, I'm going to just throw it back to you to see if you got any any words of wisdom before uh, we leave um, uh, until um, till next week. It's on you. What you got? Well, uh, uh, it's well known, you know, the Knicks uh, fired Phil Jackson. Finally, the timing is odd right after the draft. I mean, uh, but you know what? With James Dolan running the show, <laughs> it doesn't surprise <laughs> me. And uh, yep. uh, needless to say, uh, the Knicks, of course, I don't think uh, any free agents want to go there. Um, I think New Yorkers, and I, I'm not a New Yorker. I'm New York area, but I'm not a New Yorker. They have this right. hubris. They just assume everybody wants to come to New York. And you know yep. what? Yep. Phil Jackson was one of the reasons 
why uh, many people did not want to come to New York. Also, mm-hmm. there's other issues like a high state income tax, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm hoping uh, a change in management is going to make it more appealing for, for players to come to New York. The The problem is that it's still the same man at the top, and, and that that's the constant. And mm-hmm. uh, with, with getting back to the NBA free agency, it cracks me up that people are criticizing Danny Ainge for not making any moves. You think, based on his recent track record, they, they'd give him a break. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. Yep, you obviously. Know? Yep, yep. I, 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 mean, I mean, you know, when he first got the job, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, he's just getting the job because of his name. But he, he's rebuilt that team very nicely. He's got a lot of assets. Um, you know, uh, and I'll tell you, have, have you seen the 30 for 30 on the, uh, the, the amazing Celtics Lakers rivalry? I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've seen got, bits and pieces of it. you got to see it. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you know, that Red Auerbach may have been the greatest sports executive and coach of all time. I mean, maybe even better as an executive than a coach, which is not always the case like Phil Jackson. And you look at how he built that Celtic dynasty. He drafted Larry Bird in the second round because he was eligible, because this is amazing, because he was going back to college for his fifth year, which is, (laughs) you can't do that anymore. But to to think of a star player playing five years in college is unheard of because he he started at Indiana and he transferred. So that's what gave him the fifth year. Mm -hmm. And he, he came back for his senior year. And that was his fifth year because it had been four years since he started. They were, you know, they drafted him in the second round. And I remember at the time, I was real young, but people were criticizing him for that. Yeah, he, yeah, obviously that was very wise. And, mm-hmm. and they didn't. This thirty for thirty was a very long three-parter, but they go into great detail. And I don't think they mentioned this, or if they did, it was very brief. That Danny Ainge was playing baseball. He played parts of three seasons for the Blue Jays. He was playing while he was starring at Brigham Young in hoops. He was playing minor league ball and, and some major league ball, you know, with, with uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he had given the impression he was more interested in uh, playing uh, baseball full time. Meanwhile, he was only batting about 220. I mean, still, hey, he's major league in two sports, which is very impressive. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think the Celtics, they may have drafted him in the second round or late first, and boom, there you go, another bargain. Then he mm-hmm. makes, you know, the great trade, the, the the first round pick for Joe Barry Carroll, and he gets Robert Parrish and the pick a few picks later to get Kevin McHale. Boom, there you go. You know, just dynasty comes together real quick. And I'll tell you, though, uh, I know we're going over, but that, I just I, that 30 for 30 was amazing, brought back a lot of memories. I hated ML Carr, but you know what? I hated him out of respect, and I hated the Lakers. Uh, well, I, I hated Boston and L.A. because I was a Knicks fan out of respect because no, mm-hmm. you, you don't bother to hate a loser. They're a joke. They're not even worthy, but uh, no pun intended. Uh, James Worthy was one of the many great players for the, for the Lakers. Um, but the thing is, as much as I hated – well, that's a strong word – as much as I disliked ML Carr – if he would have signed with the Knicks, I was like, oh, they need a guy like him with his tough <laughs> defense and uh, yep. leadership. I, you know, 
and, and occasionally when a guy like an ML Carr will change teams to a rival, they underestimate the fans. Believe me, especially Nick fans like defense. If, if, if he would have ended up in a Nick uniform and he started playing, they would have been cheering like crazy. Like, yeah, I remember when Wade Boggs, you know, long time, he was with the longtime rival, the uh, Red Sox. He joins the Yankees, and he's more around saying, oh, are the fans going to embrace him? Yeah, as soon as he gets his first base hit, they're going to embrace him. They're not stupid. You know, guy's one of the right. greatest hitters of all time. Uh, sure. I mean, some fans occasionally are. But, but the one thing, the New York fans are usually pretty sharp, you know. Uh, don't hold on to stupid grudges. And, and as long as a guy is playing, they're gonna, you know, playing well, they're, they're, they're going to cheer him, you know. Uh, you know, Marcus Camby got off on the wrong foot with Nick fans. As soon as he started playing, they appreciated his defense and hustle and absolutely loved the guy. They, they got off his back real quick. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a little longer than what you wanted. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you got to. You got to respect Danny Ainge. I mean, give the man a break. And sometimes, you know, the best moves are the ones you don't make. So, uh, right. you know, keep keep an eye on him because if he could keep it going, he's going to go down as a, as, a, as a great executive. Yep. All right, we come to the end of the show. Uh, I want to thank Jeff for joining me this uh, Sunday morning, um, the uh, second day of July. Uh, and uh, tune in next week. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, same place. And uh, we'll be talking again. Uh, who knows who's going to show up and, and, and uh, join the conversation with me. Also on 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday evening, Jeff and I will be back here on the FSP Crew Show, holding it down, talking about uh, uh, the weekend sports and any, any uh, late and breaking news that may happen leading up to Thursday night. That being said... Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Have a safe weekend because the uh, uh, a lot of people are off on Monday due to July 4th being on Tuesday. Enjoy the holiday weekend and what's left of it. Be safe and uh, talk to you next week. See you. Funky Drummer. Check out the original. Funky Drummer. This is the original. Funky Drummer. Check me out, y'all. Funky, funky Drummer. I am the original. Funky Drummer. Check out the original.